First Corinthians chapter 3, um, and then I'm going to talk to that and read uh, from verse 1, but I'm going to hang out for a minute in verses 10 through 15. Um, we're going to land there and talk to that. Now, most of you, if you have been around restoration any length of time, you will know and you would hear that the name of the church, Restoration Christian Fellowship, is birthed out of an experience that my wife and I went through in our marriage where it was on the brink of divorce. Things were literally falling apart, and God kind of restored us and put us back together. Uh, I'm talking, y'all, you know, y'all saying amen, but it was bad. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was nothing cute. It was nothing, you know, to write home about. Um, I was a young man. I needed to grow up. Hadn't grown up yet. Um, the sad commentary, men, is that our women mature than we do, you know, at least in most cases. Uh, but I thank God that she graced me and waited for me to grow up. Amen. Love you, girl. Amen. I thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Was it, was it worth waiting, my love? Is it worth waiting? Is it, oh, look at her. Look at her. <laughs> yeah. So I thank God for that. And I, I think, I think uh, the members and friends of this church that kind of, some of y'all really walked us through um, that difficult, traumatic moment in our lives and loved us through it. And as a result, the church is called Restoration Christian Fellowship because we're of the framework that if God could do that in us, he can do it for you. Amen. And so if you've ever engaged Katani and I, you'll hear that we're ones that's going to fight for your marriage. We're ones that's going to say to you, don't give up. We're ones that's going to say to you, you can make it um, because that's the heart of God for his church and for the people of the church. And sometimes we just give up too quick in that process. So with a vision for that, we kind of gave birth to the church. I think it was February 21st, 1999 or 22nd, 1999. Um, Nehemiah is incorporated February 21st, our community development corporation. We started the ministry, had a meeting in our home, um, and then we launched our first service in West Middle School on the corner, I think it's 13th and Havana. Uh, a small group of us kind of launched that church 16 years ago. I will never forget the first service. Um, Pat served as head usher, um, head interior decorator. I mean, she would set up children's ministry like it was, we expected a thousand kids. And it was just a handful of us. So Pat, I wanna commend you. I wanna commend you. Yeah, yeah. She is still, she's still our head usher. Matter of fact, she's so much the head usher that you best not mess with her. <laughs> so she was responsible for doing that. We did that West Middle School, and we moved from West Middle School to Dayton, uh, Emporium Colfax. We rented a facility there in what's known as the Martin Luther King Building right now. It wasn't that back then. Um, it was just an old library that the city had pretty much condemned and sold. We moved in there. We had service there. We stayed there for the first few years of our history. Then we relocated from that and went down to 551 Norfolk. Um, that was all the grace of God. Um, here we were, a small church, probably maybe 100 people, if that many. And the city decided to demolish the building, and we had a five-year lease. So for that to happen, they had to pay us to leave the facility and pay the down payment for us to move into the next place. Isn't that something? The hand and the grace of God. So they did that. We moved into this place. I'll never forget that story. We go to the landlord of that place and say to him, we have this church plant. We're trying to find a place to worship. 
And he kind of said to me, it'll cost, take about $5,000 earnest money to show that you're serious. And um, young me at the time, we don't have no money, sir, but we serve God. Um, and this is a businessman. And I never forget him saying to me, I understand you serving God, but my God is green right now. I mean, he straight up said that. I will never forget that as long as I live. He took the chance. Anyway, God moved. He let us in. And I think when we left that place, we left it better than we did. So God has blessed him and prospered him since. We moved from there to um, as we outgrew that place and we had a vision for this huge complex to just do more for God. We moved to um, Hinckley High School. We spent uh, not even a good year, well, six months to a year, I think we were. Yeah, six months or so in Hinckley High School. Um, then we left Hinckley High School, went to Crown Plaza on 40, 40th and I-70. We spent some time there. Um, that's when all that crazy cancer stuff in my life surfaced. Um, God graced us through that. Um, we left Hinckley, and we came out to the parking lot here. Um, and crazy church, right? We were believing God for this facility. Crazy church set up a tent. We rented a tent from this company in Colorado Springs. And for six months, we had church. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all remember the tent, yeah. Setting up, tearing down in the heat of the day, doing, doing service there for all those years. So, um, and then God finally graced us to come into this place. Um, so I want to thank, it's all been the hand of God. It's all been the favor of God. It's all been the grace of God. Um, here is my exciting thing today. Um, I think it was seven years ago um, when we were in Crown Plaza, I was diagnosed with colon cancer on stage three, body shutting down, body, body dying, all that good stuff. Um, had to go through emergency surgery, two years worth of recovery. On this Friday, I went to see uh, my new oncologist, and my new oncologist says to me, Hey, Felix, I want to report to you that according to all of our records and every test that we've done, you are completely cured from cancer. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Yeah. So I was, I was like on cloud nine all day Friday. Um, she said to me, no need to ever come back to oncology anymore. Isn't that something? No need to ever have to go through. Um, and she kind of said to me, you're like one of our miracle people. So I'm excited about that. We kind of high-five each other. And I, you know, do the, but God. You know what I mean? You kind of do your little thing. Uh, thank God for that. But that, that was good news for me. That was very, very encouraging. Katani was in Arizona at the time, uh, Friday, so I called and we kind of celebrated together because uh, that's been a painstaking thing, you know. You know, when you're a cancer patient, you catch a cold and you start getting nervous, right? You just start freaking out like, Lord, Jesus, what's going on? Anything goes wrong with you. But for her to share that, it was just the most, the most. So I want to thank you all for your prayers. Amen. I want to thank you all for your prayers. So here we are 16 years later, and it looks like you guys are stuck with me for another 16, you know? <laughs> so we're going on to allow God move and have his way. So some of you are probably wondering, you know, how, how in, in a day and age when church plants, they come on the scene, then they fall off the scene and they rise and they fall. How did we make it? Um, how were we able to survive the difficulties? How were we able to make it through the ups and through the, through the downs? Um, I look over there at Troy, and you all probably wonder why Troy and I 
or so close. Troy, I mean, started this church with us. Heck, even pre-church, even pre-church, he kind of started this with us. So that's become my little brother. I keep him little so I could stay pastor. Um, don't want him to get a big head, but he's been with us every step of the way. But how, how were we able to make it? And I'm going to say to you, nothing but the grace of God. And we always endeavor to build a house that is built on a sure foundation. That's very, very important. That's very, very important in, in your life, in my life, in ministry, in everything we do. God must be at the forefront of that thing. If God is not at the forefront of the thing, we'll miss it every single time. Now, I, 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 sometimes I, I, I struggle with this, but I'll report to you, if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would do it completely different second time around. Now, let me tell you why. Throughout the years, I have learned the importance of investing in people. I have, I have. I mean, when you're a young guy and you're starting a church, you want biggest, baddest. Y'all know how that goes. But then you miss the fact that the church is not a building. It is the people of God. You get what I'm saying? I think it wasn't until we were out in that tent and people kept coming in the heat of summer. Day after day, God revealed to me that place of worship is not important to people if they're hearing the Word of God. And sometimes we spend all our resources on nice buildings and nice facilities, and we don't invest in the people of God, but the people is really where the church is. I want y'all to hear me. And so God kind of revealed that to me, and I just kind of want to share briefly with you the importance of, of building upon a sure foundation as it relates to what God would have you to do in your personal life, us in ministry even going forth, and as we continue to try to thrive toward the next 16 years and, and longer, my goal, my prayer, my dream is that when I have died and gone on and Derek has died and gone on and all our elders have died and gone on, that little Patrice over there will be the next elder and the young people will be, Deron's kids will be the next elders. Come on, are you hearing me? of the church. That's, that's the prayer. Amen. My Patriot fan, they'll be, you know, our, our young people will be the next elder of the church in a thousand years from now. If Jesus has not come back, Restoration Christian Fellowship is still in existence, still impacting people, still touching lives. And the only way we'll be able to do this is to adhere to the principles that Paul is outlining to the church at Corinth found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 um, around the 10th verse. But leading up to the 10th verse, here it is that Paul started this church on a second missionary journey. It's the church that he planted that he had a heart for believers in the vicinity of Rome. Now, the striking thing about the church at Corinth is that these were people, I'll use the word licentious. They were just bad because they were influenced by the culture. They were influenced by the city. They were influenced by all the crazy stuff that was going on around them, paganism and 
idol worship and all this stuff. And then the striking thing, God releases Paul to go to the Gentile church and he goes to Corinth with a vision to plant a church. And these individuals come to a relationship with Christ, but now what's striking about them coming to a relationship with Christ, they want to bring the things of the world into the church and to conduct the church the way they lived in the world. Now, 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 don't be so hard on the Corinthian believers because you'll find churches today are falling prey to that. I mean, you have the culture that are dictating that it's okay to live a homosexual or a, 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 a monosexual relationship, and the church is kind of signing off on that. But does anybody in here know that that's not the heart of God? The church is designed to influence culture, not culture influence the church. We have to stand on the foundation on which God has called us. That's the striking thing that, that if you have been around restoration any length of time, we will use whatever vehicle we can to draw people to a relationship with God. But once you get in, you will find that we preach an uncompromising gospel. Amen. Not a watered-down gospel, an uncompromising gospel. We try to establish a good foundation so that God would move and have his way. And this is what's going on in the church at Corinth. If you look with me at chapter 3, verse 1, here is how Paul's business meeting is going. If I could use that metaphor as he started this church, and I'm reading from the ESV, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual, but as people of the flesh or carnal or infants mere babes in Christ. Look at verse 2. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still in the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? Now listen to what's happening. Verse 4. But when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely humans? Verse 5 puts it this way. What then is Apollos, or what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. Verse 6 says, I planted, Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but it is God who gave the growth or the increase. And I love verse 7. Because it says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives growth. Verse 8 puts it this way. He who plants and he who waters are, I like that word, one, and each will receive the wages according to his labor. And verse 1, verse 9 is where I want to start to lay foundation. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field God's building. Now, if let me, I'm going to talk about restoration since we're celebrating 16 years, so you can't get a feel of the philosophy of ministry of this church. If you've been around restoration any length of time, you will notice that we don't play up leadership roles, meaning that because a person is a pastor or sits in a pastoral seat, that they have to have the big chair up front. Yep, you've seen that by now. We, we play that down because the, our philosophy of ministry basically is what Paul is trying to say to the church at Corinth. I have a gift just like you have a gift, and all of our gifts belong to God, comes from God, and it is for the body of Christ. Come on, I want you all to hear me very, very carefully. So 
we grow in Christ, and, and this is the thing we try to teach here with our eldership and our preaching team. We have a plurality of eldership. It's not about Katani and I. It's not about Karen and Patrick. It's not about Derek and Pam. It's not about Brenda and Stan or Robert and Annette or Bob and Diana. We all function as one because God has given us all individual gifts for the body. Now, the reason we say that a lot, because a lot of churches make the mistake of following a man and not following God. Come on, say amen. I want want y'all to hear me carefully. And, And does anybody in here know that if you follow a man or a woman, for that matter, that they will fail you? Come on, they will let you down? Let me go here. They will deceive you? Are you with me? One of these days, I'm going to preach a message entitled, Human Like Me. If you're male, since I'm male, I almost said if I'm male, I'm saying since I am male, (laughs) you know, we all all get dressed the same way. Come on, are you hearing me? The same God that resides in me is the same God that resides in you. I wish I had somebody in here. We must get that. And, And we try to emphasize the giftings of the body in this ministry because this is how the ministry is going to go. So don't go around talking about Pastor Felix this, Pastor Derek that. Paul says, what am I? What is Apollos? We are all servants of Christ and we function as one. God gave to the body for the edifying and the building up of the saints of God. So in this house, it doesn't matter who's bringing the word as long as the word is brought. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? Long as the word is brought and we can receive the word, because when I get done preaching, I take my seat with the fellowship and the next person comes up and lead us where God would have us to lead. So Paul says, it's not about Apollos, it is not about me. And here's the reason he said that, because we, he says, verse 9, look at verse 9, for we are God's fellow workers, and then he points externally to the church, and I like this, you are God's building, you are God's building, you are God's building, you are God's building. That's one mistake I would say I made planting this church many, many years ago. I thought this was God's building. Are you with me? Imagine the ministry impact we could have if we didn't have the overhead of this building. Imagine the ministry impact we can have if you realize you are God's building. Point to yourself. Say, I am God's building. One more time. Say, I am. God's building. So now here's the first thing I want to share with you about God's building, just like we had to do when we planted this church. Number one, you must believe and know, first of all, that since you are God's building, and if you're here and you are not God's building, we'll deal with that in a little while, premise your building on a foundation that's built on Christ. Premise your foundation on a foundation that's built on Christ. Repeat after me. Say, build it it. on Jesus. Jesus. One more time. Say, build it it. on Jesus. Jesus. Now, back in the day, I can hoop with the best of them. (laughs) Back in the day. Amen. Now, Lord, don't let me go there. All right? (laughs) Grab the ear. Mm. You got to get the throat going just right for the in-between. I mean, I can go with the best of them. I mean, and I loved it. It was who I am. 
But God taught me, build a church on Christ, not on emotion. Because here's what'll happen, right? You'd be like, he woke up early this morning. How early was it? It was early before the cock crowed to mark the beginning of a due day. It was early. You got to work it, you know. Come on, y'all know that. Well, come on. Yeah, and, 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 and folks stand up, preaching get there, they, 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 you know, everybody sleep up until then. And then, come on, preacher, bring it, you know. He got up and, uh, you know, come on. And, and, and everybody's up. And then you walk out of church. Man, he shall preach. What did he say? You don't have a clue. Because it was all emotion. You get what I'm saying? Now, don't get me wrong. There's some guys that can do that, and they earn it quite well because good meat, good make. Are you with me? And you go on and hoop anytime you want. But the majority of time we plant churches and we engage people, it's an emotional rise, and it's not built on Christ. Okay? So my commitment to God was to ensure that this fellowship is solid as it relates to their foundation, hence the teaching that you receive when you come here. So look at the way Paul puts it. Paul says in verse 10, according to the grace, that is the charis, that is the grace gift, the charismatic, the grace gift that God has given me, like a skilled master builder, I have laid a foundation, and look at the next phrase, and someone else else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it, verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want y'all to lock it. I went to 10 and 11. Look at verse 10. According to the grace God has given me, like a skilled master builder, I have laid the foundation. I have laid the foundation. I've laid the foundation. Here's the thing I want y'all to say. Begin with a foundation premised in Christ. Every person knows this. If you're going to build a house, you don't start with the roof and suspend the roof in air, in the air, and then try to build the walls. And then once all that is done, then you go underneath and try to lay the foundation and play the walls that already place the walls that already has the roof on it in place. The first thing you do is the foundation. I want you all to hear me. The foundation is the first thing you do. If the foundation is solid, it doesn't matter the makeup of the wall. Even I'm going to talk about that in a little while. Or the roof, you can always rebuild if a storm comes. I, I came from a region of the world where hurricanes would, would, would come every single year. Now, when I first came to the United States, I would watch this thing called a tornado, and a tornado would hit a home, and man, it would literally completely demolish the house such that a tractor has to come in and rebuild the thing. Here is how we build houses in the Caribbean. The foundation is so strong that it can withstand the majority of storms that can come through. Okay, you might have to re replace a window every now and then. You might have to replace a side of the roof or the whole roof every now and then. But more times than often, it is very unlikely that the storm will take the house down. Now, the reason I'm pointing that out, the reason a lot of us can't stand either in our relationships, in life, in the things that we go through is because the foundation is not solid. 
Come on, talk to me this morning. And then any wind that comes, it knocks the walls down and it uproots the house. In our lives, we find ourselves in chaos and calamity because the foundation is not solid. When Paul uses the word foundation, he's using a metaphor, he's using metaphoric language to speak to the fact that make sure at the core of everything you do, it is premised on a solid relationship with God. Are you with me? Now, now, now I'm, I'm hating that I'm not talking about next week's message because I've been shouting all week about what I want to really talk about in, in the book of um, Exodus with this whole thing. Here, here's the problem with a lot of us. A lot of us are building our life with a knowledge of God, not an experience with God. I'm getting into next week's message already. But this is foundational stuff, okay? And, and, and you're going to hear this again next week. Here's what God said to Moses about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, they know me as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but by my name, they don't know me. And, and a lot of our problem is we go off doing things, having a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge. And when things get rough, we can't obey him because we haven't experienced him as the, at the level that we need to experience him to take us through the storms in life. The foundation is jacked up. And what I want us to understand, that the thing with this church, the reason, the reason the church is where it is, God had me laboring for years and years and years and years with the foundation, laboring for years with the foundation, laboring for years with the foundation. When he gets ready to build walls and put up the roof and all that stuff, that's his business. But the foundation must be solid. The reason Katani and I could be restored is because we both had a foundation. Are you hearing me? And the decision to stay married or get divorced was not an emotional decision. It was filtered through the foundation. What is God saying about this? And if at the heart of God is the issue of forgiveness, guess what we're obligated to do? Some of us can't forgive because the foundation is jacked up. And so here's what we say. I know what he said, but I know what I feel. Oh, don't act like you ain't never said it. Come on, y'all. Come on. Because the foundation, because the foundation isn't right. The foundation isn't right. So we premise everything that we do here based on the word of God. It, for me, it doesn't matter what's happening in culture, in popular culture. I am always going to ask the question, what is God saying about that? Because I should have a theological framework as it relates to the issues that's going on in culture. You should have a theological framework as it relates to the issue that's going on in culture and in our lives. We are instable and we can't stand firm because the foundation is not right. If the foundation is right, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the difficulty. It doesn't matter the challenge in life. You are going to land on God's side. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, say, check the foundation. Come on, say, check the foundation. Yeah. Make sure the foundation is right. And if the foundation is right, here's the Paul Apollos thing, right? If the foundation is right, listen to this real quick. 
The next phrase of verse 10 says, and someone else is building on it. If your foundation is right, you're going to be careful who you let build on your I wish I had somebody in here. And for, for a lot of us, because the foundation and right, we have all kinds of people pouring into us and saying all kinds of things and wonder why we are so wishy-washy because we don't have a theological base through which to measure what we're hearing. So Paul says, like a skilled master builder, like one who has a degree as an architect in engineering, a person who God has graced, I labored with you, Corinthian church. Just like we labored with you, RCF. Just like we labored with you, friends. Just like I'm trusting that you will all labor with God. Make sure the foundation is right. And be careful, here's what he says, who builds on your foundation. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. Scripture's clear. Not all that say, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom in heaven. Are you with me? And matter of fact, he, Paul, in speaking to Timothy, says in the last days, um, you're going to have men saying what people's itchy ears wants to hear. Are you hearing me? I will never forget <laughs> part of our church growth strategy. I think we were in a strategic planning session and Pastor Derek said to me, Pastor, you know what? If you want to pack the place out, just put a barbecue pit by the pulpit. Folk will come for food. You know, <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. But, but, but I think the metaphor in what he's saying, preach what people want to hear and watch them come. You get what I'm saying? And he was saying it jokingly, and, but the response always been, you can't preach what people want to hear. You have to preach what God commanded you to preach, and you must stay true to the Word of God. The foundation must be right. Are you with me? Check the foundation. Make sure the foundation is premised on Christ. Look at what he says in verse 10. According to the grace given me, like a skilled master builder, I have laid the foundation and someone else is building on it. And he says, let each one take care how he builds on it for no other foundation can anyone lay, which is Christ Jesus. Secondly, notice what he says. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation using gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay or straw, listen to verse 13, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by what? Fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Now, I love this verse as a church planter, and I think I can safely say this is about probably my third church plant. Um, first one was in Sierra Vista where I first met Brenda, uh, where we first connected in ministry and served there together. The second one was um, a church here called Laurie Community Church, and I went in and kind of helped build that church to get it to where it needs to go. And this verse proves through every single time. If anyone, verse 12 says, build on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, let, this is me now, let them build how they want to build, okay? Light the match. True story. She had never sat up front. Uh, yeah, getting all kinds of sermon illustrations with him sitting there. Yeah, we got, I mean, if y'all want to know me, get to know Troy. Okay. Um, Troy and I fought so much over the years, and I'm talking fight, fight, um, that he left the church. 
And this is about the 20th time he left the church. And <laughs> yeah. One time he was so mad that he called me up. Did you call me or write me or something? Take my name off the roll. I ain't coming back. I'm like, take it off a watch. You're coming back. It's been 20-something years. You know what I mean? I mean, we've been together so long. I'm saying that to say that's the difference between a person that's building with gold, silver, or precious stone as opposed to a person who builds with wood, hay, or straw. Okay, let me, let me, here's what happens with gold. You put it in the fire or precious stone, and the fire might melt the, the precious metal, but what'll happen is all the impurities in the fire now rises to the top, and then you can scathe off or remove the impurities, and when the fire goes away, the substance still exists. So here's how me and Troy's fight would go. You must be on fire. Time for some impurities to come up. You get what I'm saying? It's true friendship now. And, and, and then, and then when, when God starts to take the impurities off, inevitably he'd call me. Here's what he'd say. You make me sick. That's what he'd say. And I'd say, oh, the impurities must be coming off. You're getting close to you to come back, okay? Now, now, the difference between that and wood, hay, and straw, you put them in the fire, <laughs> don't repeat this. Look around and see how many wood, hay, and straw folk are still here. Right? A mentor of mine said to me, and you'll find this true in your own life. When I first started the church, people will say to you, Pastor, we are with you until you have to adjust them. And the moment you strike that match, it reveals what type of material. <laughs> so here's Paul. Here's Paul. Corinthian on this church that we're laying. Listen, I've laid the foundation. Now go out and get folks to come in and build. Now be careful because you're going to have precious stone. You're going to have wood. You're going to have straw. You're going to have hay. You're going to stubble and let the fire test the quality. And the thing that I've discovered over the years with wood, hay, and straw folk, it's never their problem. It's always the church's problem. <laughs> Yet we're not the ones that's burnt up. <laughs> Are you guys tracking with me? You will find that true in your life. If the foundation is right, be careful what you build on the foundation because the design of fire, the design of proving, the de design of testing is to determine the quality of person's work. Don't be guilty of being a wood, hay, and or a straw person. Are you hearing me this morning? Stand firm. 
Stand firm. Stand firm. And, and, and more times than often, if the foundation is, isn't right, it's easy to be wishy-washy, to go whichever way you, you, you want to. But I'm telling you this morning, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. And one of the things, you know, we have this, this strenuous process, the leadership here, um, and people always say to me, why is it so difficult to, to get into, into leadership? Well, because we keep burning you along the way. And those that make it to the top or the leadership, if I could use that metaphor, they're not straw folk. They're not wood folk. Ministerial team, we love y'all to death. Y'all probably, hey, this, this, this is getting a little too high. Y'all probably like, I'm tired of being burnt. <laughs> but it's an intentional process for commitment. Are you with me? The world is watching the church, and if all we do is church hop and bounce from place to place, how can we ever establish a solid foundation? Are you hearing me? How can we ever establish a solid foundation? If you've ever been in the military, what do you think basic training is? If you've ever pledged a fraternity, what do you think that pledging process is? Come on, y'all talk to me. Okay? Be all right with that. Let me land with this. Verse 12 again. If anyone builds on the foundation wood, hay, gold, I mean, wood, with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will be manifest for the day will disclose it, meaning the time is going to come or the end time or the eschaton or eschatology. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be revealed who you really are because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will touch the sort of work each one has done. Verse 14. If... That work, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation has survived, he will receive a what? Reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. And there's some deep theology here in this last phrase. Though he or they themselves will be saved, but only as through fire. Okay, let me, let me just say one thing on verse 15 because I can't skirt it, and then we're going to wrap this up. If you've been around any length of time, you hear us talk about the security of your salvation. Um, eternal security is the phrase that we'll use. For those of you that are Baptists of a Baptist background, you probably heard the phrase, one saved, always saved, all that good stuff. I think this is one of those verses that speak true to that. If the foundation is secure, I got to get this. If Christ is at the foundation, your salvation is secure. I want you all to hear me this morning. Works could be burnt up. I like the, I like the illustration. Um, you might make it in as one escaping the fire, but he or she themselves will be saved. And, and you know how this works. If you're in a home and your house burn, is on fire, you don't have time to go around gathering up all your goods. The first thing you do is, is run for your life, and you escape the fire because your life is more important. Here's a, a phrase that some of us use. You escape by the skin of your teeth, okay? Some of us are going to make it into heaven by the skin, <laughs> but you'll make it in. Are you, are you hearing me, okay? Now, I, I, I want to say that because now I want to attribute that to the reward, okay? Because a lot of us, I want us not to mistake, make the mistake of thinking that we are doing what we're doing here for earthly reward. I'll be clear with that. 
Because here's what a lot of us would do. You'll measure the success or failure of a ministry based on building status, financial accounts, um, number of members in seat, all that stuff. No, 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 baby. The reward is in heaven. Are, are you hearing me? The reward is in heaven. It's, it's like Grandma and Dam used to say, and there's a song written about that, will there be any stars in your crown? Come on. I mean, and we, we touched on this a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the book of Hebrews. It talks by faith Abraham did this, by faith Noah did this, by faith Enoch did this, by faith um, Isaac did this. And the, the, the litany or the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But then interestingly enough, um, a latter part of, of Hebrews says, all these followed or believed God by faith. And listen to what it says. And none of them received in the earth the things they were hoping for reward is not about now reward I put you this way if you are so hung up on reward being now go ahead and get yours now you can keep mine I'll take it when I get to be in the presence of Jesus are you with me because I'm talking eternity. I am talking a world that'll never end. I am talking about where time never ends. I will spend forever in the presence of Jesus. So Grandma Dad used to put it this way. I'm working on a building, she'd say. And it had a, a, a sure foundation. Come on, y'all know this. Um, see, if I used to hoop, I'd hoop right there. I'm holding up the blood stain. Come on, y'all. Banner for my Lord. And then she said, just as soon as I get through working on my building I'm going church we are working on a building listen to me the building is not this it is you are you hearing me that's the building we're working on because look at this and I'm gonna stop verse 16 do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells where? Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. 